Netta Abgari is an arts powerhouse as an administrator and curator. And in this conversation, we learn about how she got her start, her latest projects, and her big ideas for the future. This is Arts and Ideas, and I'm Floyd Hall. Funding for this program is provided by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners. I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with arts administrator, creative force, artist, curator, all of those things, Netta Abgari. Netta, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here on this this podcast of yours. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Netta, I'm glad to have some time with you today. And I'm wondering, who was the first working artist that you can remember? Like when you began to think about artists in your life as, as a young person, who was the first artist that you could recall where you said, wow, like that that's an artist and that's what they do and I want to learn more about what they do. Who is that person for you? Oh goodness. Like honestly, honestly, I think when you when you're asked a question like that, you think back and what stands out it are the situations that had the most impact on your life or the people who had the most impact on your life. And I would have to say that that artist is my mentor, Kevin Cole. You know, I had been introduced to other artists and I'm, and other artists had had an impact on my life, but Kevin is the one who had the greatest impact on my life because we taught together. I, I learned so much from him and I was always in admiration and in awe of his ability to not only be an amazing educator, but to really have his own dedicated practice, no matter what, all the time. And that's something that I have always um, strived for is that balance, a balance of creativity and, and giving um, through education. I still struggle with it. Um, And so he is the one working artist that since I met him in 1995, um, still to this day, I'm in admiration and awe of. Talk about your growing up. Like what was, <laughs> what, what was your world like when you, when you were growing up and, and what were some of your earliest influences creatively? Okay. Wow. Okay. So Growing up, I am a first-generation Iranian-American who was raised in the South by immigrant parents who had just come to the United States from Iran to pursue their education. And so when they arrived, it was shortly before the revolution in Iran and the hostage crisis. 
and all of those things <laughs> that Iran um, is is still known for back in the 70s. And we um, we lived in the South, and so <clears throat> it was difficult. I mean, I have memories of my mother and I and my father always being together. I have memories from when my mother and I lived in Mississippi. So my mother was at Mississippi State and my father was at UGA and they would, my father would drive down for the weekends, but they were both working on their masters and then their PhDs in different cities. So I have these vivid memories of my father coming to visit us. I remember being, I was probably like three years old and, um, I remember like in our apartment or student apartment complex, like looking over the the railing, just waiting for him to arrive. And I had an amazing childhood, but what was difficult about it was we were always isolated within just our family. Some things had happened that made my mother really uncomfortable. Um, people had threatened her and she and I were alone in Mississippi. I always felt very different. <clears throat> and from a young age, I always had to rely on my creativity to keep me entertained. Like she was a student, full-time student with a three-year-old <laughs> and her husband in a different city. So all of those things had influences on me. So um, after Mississippi, my mother finished up school we rejoined my father in Athens, lived there for a while, and later moved to Oxford, Covington, where my father was teaching at Oxford University and my mother was working at Emory. And then when my father got a job at Morehouse College, we moved to Atlanta. And so I consider myself a native because I've been here for so long. It's such a big part of who I am. <laughs> I remember my high school experience um, and that having a big influence on my my desire to to build community and engage all types of people. And that's pretty much where I come from. ATL in the house. <laughs> so when did when did the arts become a priority in your life? You know, I, I know you mentioned being creative to sort of, you know, occupy your time when you were, when you were coming up, but when did you begin to take the arts more seriously? And what did that look like for you as you began to evolve as, as a person? So, like I said, arts had always been a part of my life. And then in high school, I had an amazing art teacher and there was a pretty great art program. And so I took arts as an elective. And when it came time to go to college, you know, I come from a Persian family, so it's like, oh, doctors, lawyers, <laughs> Netta, what are you going to do? Um, I had decided I was going to go into marketing. I thought, okay, well, that's, that's kind of creative on the business side. Um, and my first semester at Georgia State, I did not have art in my life. 
no art classes after having art in high school for four years. And Floyd, I was so depressed. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I would come home so just outside of myself. I just didn't feel like myself. And I realized then that I had to have it as part of my life. And so I decided that I wanted to become an art therapist. And Georgia State at the time, I could have taken two routes, the art education route or the studio route. And because I wanted to have experience with children, I, I went the art education route and my minor was printmaking. So um, <clears throat> that's really when I realized I had to have the art in my life. And then through that, that educational process, I became teaching and I fell in love with, with teaching. I met my mentor, Kevin Cole. Um, we taught together for five years. And throughout that process, like creativity was such a part of my life and everything that I did, whether it was, you know, teaching art, making art, or even down to the space that I lived in, like decorating my space. And so, so that's really when it took hold of my life. your early days in arts education as you mentioned before but many more people may know you as the the administrator and the executive director and the force behind the creatives project so when it comes to your work with the creatives project i guess when did when did the seeds for that begin to take a root for you or i guess maybe even before that what did you see was the need in the Atlanta arts community? And where did you think that the Creative Project would be able to step in and, and feel that? You know, Floyd, I'm glad we have an hour. <laughs> it's all so intertwined. And it all happened very organically. So I'll, I'll walk you through it a bit. So as I was saying, I was a teacher. Um, <clears throat> I also had a love for old houses so i bought my first house in kirkwood when i was in college it was like a fixer-upper bought it for nothing fixed it up and while i was teaching with kevin i was living in kirkwood then i moved to capitol view so this was like in 2000 and <clears throat> i would drive to work every day come back home and I've always become a big part of my community and anywhere that I've lived. And so I was really close to the children in my neighborhood. And so the creatives project really started on my front porch in Capitol View in 2000 when I would invite <clears throat> 
the children across the street, the children around the corner, to come and do art projects on my front porch. <laughs> so this went on for my entire teaching career. So I think I, I lived there for about five, five years, four years into teaching. And <clears throat> with Kevin as my mentor, there came a point when Kevin was like, Netta, I really want you to practice what you preach. You're here teaching art. I want you to really focus on your own art practice. And at the time, just as stars aligned, I actually decided to leave teaching and pursue my career in photography. And so, you know, I had this passion for teaching. I loved photography. I went to New York for a couple of years, um, learned from photo assisting. I came back, still had my place in Capital U. At that point, the real estate market had crashed, and that was when we had gone into the the financial crisis. And <clears throat> I had left teaching, but I was still teaching part-time whenever the county needed me. And so I was in this place where I was teaching how to love for art, how to love for community, how to love for real estate. And I, I started to notice these empty or these disconnects, right? Um, I had just finished a big body of work and I was looking to exhibit it. And I had my first solo exhibition at StudioPlex. And as the process unfolded, I was originally supposed to have it in this gallery called the Art Department Gallery. And um, I needed more space. So I went to the property owner, knocked on the door, and said, hey, is it okay if I borrow this empty space next door from the expansion of my my exhibition and told him about the project. It was called the Atlanta Creatives Project. It was a photo documentary, the very early stages of the Creatives Project. He happily signed on. We had an exhibition there of my photographs. It was a huge, a, a huge event, a huge success. And then I realized I had this gift of bringing resources together. So passionate about the arts, saw my, my art friends working two and three jobs just to have space to create and make a living, saw that the arts education system was lacking, the ads funding was getting cut, our students, our children weren't receiving ways to an outlet when they needed it most. And then I had this connection to the real estate community in Atlanta since I had started investing early on. And so I thought, you know, wait a second, I was able to get this space for my show. Maybe there's a way for me to do this for other people. And I never set out <laughs> to, you know, with big dreams, like huge dreams. Like I had visions when I lived in New York of, you know, walking down the streets and all these buildings full of space and thinking about how there may be empty space inside those those buildings that could house artists, like it was like a figment in my mind. And then when I got back to Elena and this kind of started to unfold, 
I felt like I was onto something, but I really didn't know like how big the need was. And so you can imagine everyone is hurting financially, but I was still able to experience people's generosity. And I really believed that even though we are having a difficult time, there are still people who want to be generous. We just have to think outside the box about how that generosity is tapped into. And so after my exhibition, that was in 2009, kind of took a year to dream up what the creatives project could be. And then in 2011, I, I announced it to Atlanta through one of the first Kickstarter campaigns and said, hey, <laughs> I want to start an artist residency. This is, this is what, what we need to do. And if we do this, we can create the circle of giving where people give into this system and people receive from this system and we all support each other. And so that was in 2011. Um, I always wanted to expand it. I always wanted it to have a portion of, like a big, the main portion is this give back. So it's a residency, but what do the artists do to continue to build um, support systems for up and coming artists or children who don't have access to the arts or elders who, who need an outlet? And that's how TCP was born. So here we are, almost, well, hey, it, almost 10 years later. <laughs> almost 10 years later, for sure, for sure. Um, and I would encourage everyone listening to go visit thecreativesproject.org. I mean, the organization has grown by leaps and bounds, and it just seems like there's always a new page being turned um, and just a new initiative, and there's always just something bubbling up um, with with what you've been able to do um, with the Creatives Project. So I'm just glad to to know the, the origin story because it feels like, you know, what you're doing now still feels very tethered to those early days, but you can tell Absolutely. the growth. Yeah, you can just sort of tell the, the growth and the effort and the love that everyone's put into it over, over the years. Um, I'm wondering, as as a leader, as someone who's making decisions for yourself on behalf of other artists, on behalf of, you know, the community in some instances, how do you make decisions? Like, what what drives your decision-making, like, perspective? You know, when, when something feels right in your core and makes you say yes, like what, what are those things that make you say yes? What, what sort of informs how you make big decisions? I always tie it back to the beginning, right? I always tie it back to those days on my front porch. Like what inspired me <laughs> to invite the children in, you know? What, it, it always goes back to staying aligned to the desire to help Atlanta <laughs> remain true to itself and also to support 
all of its beings. And, and that's kind of how, as an organization, we make decisions too, is like really tapping into and remembering why we're here. You know, there's lots of arts organizations. There's lots of paths that we could take. But for us, it's always remaining authentic to our goal of providing support and providing a platform and giving back. And so whether I am making decisions for the organization or I'm invited to create something for someone else, I always come to it from a place of building relationships and building connections that help to stabilize platforms for for all of Atlanta's communities, especially those who those that don't always have representation. Those that are considered other like I was when I was growing up as a little child. Because I wish I had that, <laughs> you know? I wish I had a place to go when I felt different instead of being stuck in my house with my, my lovely mom, my lovely dad. But I always think about expanding and opening and creating a place of comfort for people. Now, one thing that I'm excited about as we turn the corner and enter into a new year is that you're still flexing your creative muscles outside of TCP. Um, and I think that's always compelling when you know folks who come from their artistic roots and they dive into the administration side and the leadership side of, of running an organization. Um, you know, have a chance to still do those creative things that that feed them personally. So I was I was happy to see you at the helm of um, of some initiatives from a curatorial perspective, separate from the Creative Project. So talk about what it's like for you now to be able to dive into your curatorial POV and foster opportunities for artists, but also, you know, still work within space and think through ideas. What is it like to still do that curatorial work for you these days? It's really exciting. Um, I, I'm just really fortunate to <clears throat> have been asked um, and invited over the years to work on various curatorial projects. Um, and right now, I'm specifically really stoked <laughs> about the Midtown Heart of the Arts program that I was invited to curate because it's in my own backyard. Like, I've worked on projects outside of Atlanta, um, but this is the, the first time outside of TCP or drive-through that I've been asked to gather a group of artists for this new initiative in Midtown. And it, and it feels great, it's invigorating. Um, it's, 
it's inspiring to be given some flexibility um, in bringing artists to a district where they have not presented their work before. It's really exciting knowing that I'm able to, you know, show their work and help expand their audiences within the district. Um, I just feel really fortunate to have the opportunity and to bring others with me. Um, and I mean, all I can say is it's it's been great so far. And I love curating. I love placing art. <laughs> I love bringing spaces to life. And it is part of my dream to, to do this, like all across the city, all across the nation. Um, because my, my kind of direction of curation also includes community development. And I think that that's integral to, you know, introducing artists and introducing their voices and engaging people in a way that dialogues are started. So that's what I got for you. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> and with all that that you do have going on between that curatorial work, you know, uh, all that you have going on with Creative Project, family time, what does what does downtime look like for you? Or I guess where where do you and when do you find space to to play, for lack of a better word, or to create or to put things out into the world for your own enjoyment. What is what is what does that look like for you? What does that feel like for you um as a way of still keeping those creative uh forces um in motion? Photography is is a an art form that I love um that that got me into all this like you know, honestly, the Creators Project wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for my photography portrait series, <laughs> the Atlantic Creators Project. Honestly, that has taken a back seat um, because, you know, as creatives, you know, we kind of ebb and flow, right? And for me, my creativity kind of, it's, how do I explain? It ebbs and flows in the tool in which I create. So recently, like the past three years, it's really been decorating <laughs> and interior design that is is where I kind of enter into my Zen moment, you know? Um, so I know it sounds crazy because it doesn't sound like downtime. But for me, the way that I relate to space and creating space, like it is downtime. It's creating by myself. Um, you know, I have a two and a half year old. So over the past three years um, and being involved in real estate, like I, I've renovated a couple houses um, and designed them and 
brought my little munchkin along. <laughs> and that is, that is where right now I seek solace. Like, you know, being at home or being in a space that I can envision designing and taking it from an old decrepit house to a beautiful place for someone to enjoy like that is that is actually my my release and my meditation um i take so much joy in that right now and um the downtime just looks like hanging out with my daughter and my husband just family time is my downtime right now you know, I'm a cancer survivor, <laughs> so it's actually a little different for me because that is what I cherish and that is what I crave when I'm out in the world and I'm with people or I'm organizing, running around. I crave downtime, and that looks like spending time with my family and creating spaces that we really enjoy. Now, you did mention that the Creatives Project started with your photography. So I'm wondering, when is the last time you picked up your camera and and shot, you know, some photos with some intention? When was it the last time you actually got back into that space? Oh, my gosh, it was last year. Um, I had started, a, oh my goodness, I had started this photo series um, when I first started the Creators Project. It was a collaboration for our first exhibition with Sahamu Peku and Bethany Marchman for this Young at Heart um, exhibition where I collaborated with both of them and um, took took photographs of children depicting them as adults. <laughs> and it was a juxtapositioning of um, children with their adult qualities. Um, and that has kind of continued throughout the years. I didn't develop that series as much as I would have liked to but the last time I took pictures specifically, like creatively with intention, was I was commissioned to do a portrait in that style. And that was like, oh, goodness, that was like, actually, it was more than a year ago. It was probably like a year and a half ago, almost. Yeah, it was, it was a year and a half ago because I remember how old my daughter was. And so I miss that, but I've been so into space right now and designing and decorating that <laughs> I haven't even missed picking up my camera. You know, it's bizarre. I have some guilt about it. I'm like, should I be taking pictures right now? And I'm like, you know, it's okay. Creativity doesn't always have to be in the medium that you you started with, you know?
you did mention that you are a breast cancer survivor, and I, I do I do not want to gloss over that. Um, I do want to to acknowledge that. Um, how does that how 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 has that changed your intensity, your intentionality with your time, with your work? You know, what what type of decision making do you um or I guess how has how has that changed what you decide to take on or not take on? Um, what you think is important or, or not important, what you prioritize. Like how how has how has breast cancer impacted um, impacted your thinking in those ways? Yeah, it's a great question. And listen to anyone who's who's out there <laughs> listening. I I'm an open book with my journey because I feel that that sharing um, and being vulnerable is a way to you just never know who whose life you're impacting by sharing something you went through. So I'm happy to talk about it. Um, it's, you know, when I was diagnosed, I was shocked. I was always the designated everything really healthy and how I ate active, positive mental attitude. <laughs> I was like the poster child of who doesn't get cancer. And I got cancer. And so when it happened, I really started to question my role, my part in it. Because I also believe in mind and body connection and that your body will physically manifest areas that you need to reflect upon in your life, ways of doing things that aren't working, obviously. And so when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with a pretty aggressive type of cancer, but early stage. Um, and I just really like, after the shock wore off, after like the first week, I'm like, okay, what, <laughs> how did this happen? I don't want it to happen again. And I looked inward and realized that my problem is, still is, you know, I work, I work on it every day, is not, is trying to do everything myself, giving, 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 and not taking space for myself or giving back to myself. I mean, it's, it's actually part of the way that I was raised. You think about Middle Eastern culture. Um, and how we're always serving <laughs> and taking care of people, especially as women. That's like so deeply ingrained in who I am. And so now, um, well, that that process like really forced me to rely on others. Like I just handed it over and I said, okay, I get it. I get, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I'm slowing down. And all the love that I poured out and have poured out, I'm going to receive in order to heal. And what does that love look like? It looks like allowing someone to take care of you. It looks like allowing people to help you 
bring your dream or your vision to life. It looks like knowing when to say no and really being conscious of when you say yes. And also understanding that everything's going to be okay. And yes, you might, you might be your own worst critic, but there's room and there's space for you to do everything that you want to do. You know, um, there's time for that. And it's kind of interesting because when you, <laughs> when you are diagnosed with a disease or you're living with chronic illness or any, anything that's health related, it's really hard to like snap out of that and think that you do have time, but really like our time is, it's just a creation of our minds, right? Like how do you want to live each day? And I'm still guilty <laughs> of doing too much, right? But I have learned how to say no and say yes to people wanting to support me and pour the love that I put out back into me. And so that really does guide my decisions. Like, I try not to do things that, that I know are going to cause me to just wear myself thin. Um, and not be balanced <laughs> with the rest of my life, you know, but, but like I said, balancing is, is still practice for me. Um, and also think about the reward, you know, like this project, let me think about this project and how it aligns to who I am and the way I want my, my life to look and feel on the day to day. And, doing this project, how is it going to impact the lives of others? Because that's something that, that I can't separate from myself. That's how my parents raised me. They're, they're actually political activists. <laughs> so they've always fought a good fight for um, individuals from Iran um, who were, who are, are, are wanting to experience freedom in our country. So, I mean, it's just bring more consciousness to my my everyday life and my decisions. Um, and I practice it every day. <laughs> well, in a related question, but in a in a way that sort of uh wraps this conversation up. I would love to know what is your big idea for for yourself, um, either as an artist, as a person in the world, or for the Creatives Project. What is what is that that big idea that's that's out there for you that you're walking towards um, when it comes to your future? Like, what are you, what are you thinking about for yourself, for the people around you um, as we move forward? So 
I mean, I'm really grateful to be in a position to be working on that dream right now. That big idea looks for me like continuing to create and connect through the arts and curation and programming but on a larger scale. You know, I still have this dream that was like that figment that I mentioned (laughs) where I still have this dream of walking down the streets of Atlanta and knowing just just through some kind of, you know, signage or or you name it, um, that within these spaces throughout Atlanta, there's space within that space that has been provided to an artist, right? Um, I really believe in in residency opportunities, creating more of them, um, continuing to activate spaces with art. I just want to do what I'm doing in such a way that it impacts more lives and more people. And I don't know what that looks like. I think, you know, each project comes with that question. Each project that I take on is this bringing me closer to sharing, sharing this vision with more people, impacting more people's lives with it. So, you know, with the creatives project, that looks like continuing to work with developers to you know, acquire space that is then shared. Um, It looks like working with cities to curate more art that provides platforms for artists who haven't had the opportunity. It might look like traveling to a different city and helping another program to develop its own community building program. I just want to share that. I just want to continue to share um, the skills and the gifts that I've nurtured to help make Atlanta, first of all, because Atlanta is my home, (laughs) a better place. But in general, um, this what am I leaving behind, right? You know, when you're a cancer survivor, like, you have all kinds of thoughts about mortality. So when I'm gone, what is my legacy, you know? Um, And so what that looks like for me is expanding access to create more opportunities through the arts. And that's it. That's all. Netta Abgari, artist, creator, curator, administrator, breast cancer survivor. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Floyd. I've really enjoyed it. Um, thanks for everything that you do. Your voice is and your platform is so important to all of us. And we are so lucky to have you in Atlanta. And we appreciate you. Oh, I really appreciate that too. Thank you so much. You're welcome.